0: This Podcast Movement 2022 audio session is brought to you by Supporting Cast, the best way to sell and deliver exclusive podcasts. And special thanks to PM22 virtual ticket presenting sponsor, Amazon Music.
1: Hi, everybody. That was a little loud. Okay, I'm Andrea. Thank you guys so much for joining me. I know the legal stuff tends to be a little bit of a scary, intimidating topic. I promise I will try to make this as fun and inviting as possible. I like to think I'm more of a fun lawyer. I was gonna say a funner lawyer, but I know that's not a word. Uh, Just a quick background. I did a very short stint in Big Law. Uh, That was my dream job. I was working on the 38th floor in Cincinnati, Ohio, and I could actually watch a Cincinnati Reds game from my office, which I thought was the coolest thing in the world, even though I'm an Astros fan, but I just love baseball. But I was the most miserable that I had ever been in my entire life. I was making the most money I'd ever dreamt of making, but internally I was just miserable. And so after seven months, I left and I went out on my own and I started Andrea Sager Law, where I started working with small business owners, entrepreneurs, mainly filing trademarks. And I just realized how passionate I was with helping small business owners. Because when I was at the big firm, those small business owners constantly kept coming to me, asking for help and the firm didn't want to help them. And at the time I was confused. I was like, what are you talking about? You don't wanna take their money. Like they're not asking for a discount. They just want help. And now now I get it. But at the time I was so confused and I saw the need for small business owners and podcasters and creators to get help legally but there was nobody for them to go to they just didn't know who to go to so i launched my own firm grew really quickly and in my firm i launched the legalpreneur membership a few years ago then last year we actually transitioned out of the law firm to legalpreneur the company which is what's there on the site the screen the legalpreneur.com so what i want to cover with you is the three steps it takes to legally protect your podcast and this is by far The the three big foundations for any podcaster, creator, entrepreneur, no matter what you do, these are the three foundations that you need to cover in your podcast. And whether you realize it or not, it is a business. How many of you are just like, oh, I'm a hobby podcaster. Like, I I know it's not, like, I'm not making money. It's not a real thing. Like, I'm just here because it's a hobby. Not too many, okay? That makes me happy that there's not too many hands because most people are just like, oh, I'm just a hobby podcaster. I don't have to worry about the legal side. Well, especially when it comes to intellectual property, the moment you publish a podcast, your risk level is much higher because you're publishing intellectual property. Whether you realize it or not, you have already created intellectual property and hopefully not infringed on any intellectual property. But so the three that we're gonna cover are entities, contracts, and intellectual property. And I'm gonna save time for Q&A, so don't worry, I will have plenty of time for questions. So entities, this is how you legally operate your business. Whether you're making money or not, you need to have a legal entity. And most, if you have not filed an entity, any paperwork with your state, your Secretary of State's office, you're most likely a sole proprietor. You do not want to be a sole proprietor. It is perfectly legal to operate as a sole proprietor. However, your risk level is very high. So when you are any type of creator, podcaster, entrepreneur, you want to lower your risk level as much as possible. And what I mean by that, so your risk level's up here. Every protection that you're putting in place, you're lowering your risk level. And every protection that you're putting in place, you're also building a wall. You're laying down bricks every time you lay down some protection, and eventually you want to have a wall so high that nobody can infringe on it. Nobody can sue you. Nobody can take anything from you. That's the goal. So all these things, it's legally okay to do and operate without them. But just know that your risk level is going to be much higher. So entities is how you legally operate. My suggestion and this is just a general note, this is not legal advice. You should chat one-on-one with an attorney if you have specific questions. But I think as a general note, you need to be an LLC. This is a limited liability company, and this separates you from your business. When you're a sole proprietor, you and your business are one and the same. There's no separation. So if you do something that accidentally causes you to get sued, in the business, you are also personally getting sued. And when you, you may think, oh, I don't have any assets. I'm not gonna do anything wrong. You guys, we're human, it happens. And if you think you don't, you don't have any assets right now, I mean, the goal is to have assets one day. The goal is to be making all this money one day. So why not protect yourself now instead of waiting until it's too late? Because what can happen Because what I hear all the time is, oh, I, you know, so-and-so told me to wait to file an LLC until I'm making X number of dollars. I say, okay, well, let me illustrate this for you. So day one is today. You're not an LLC. You're just a sole proprietor. And something happens. You blow up on TikTok overnight. And so tomorrow you are making millions of dollars. And you say, oh, great. Now I'm making this money. Day three, I'm going to go file the LLC. Awesome, well, unbeknownst to you, you accidentally did something on day one or day two that can cause you to get sued. Well, let's say day 100, somewhere down the line, you do actually get sued and you're thinking, oh, no big deal, I'm an LLC. That's correct, however, you were not an LLC the day the act happened, so you do not get the LLC protection when that lawsuit happens. So save yourself time heartache, headaches, file the LLC as soon as possible. I don't care what anybody says about making X number of dollars, waiting for this, waiting for that. Just file the LLC. There's partnerships, there's corporations. Unless you're gonna have investors, I really don't suggest a corporation. LLC really is the typically the best way to go. Now, there's also S-Corps. I'm not gonna really cover that. Just know it's a tax filing status, not an entity. So when you are making X number of dollars, that's when you need to go have that conversation with your accountant to figure out, hey, should I file as an S-Corp to save money on taxes? That's what an S-Corp is, it's not an entity. You first have to be an LLC to file as an S-Corp or a corporation to file as an S-Corp. So that's entities. Contracts, number one rule, just use one. <laughs> I know that, I, I mean, I get stories all the time, but contracts, j- just use one. and. I, I hate even saying just use one, but don't be afraid to use one. I also don't want to say, oh, just go find whatever you can online, because I can't even tell you if those are reliable or not, but you don't necessarily have to spend hundreds or thousands of dollars getting those contracts drafted. When you're just starting out, template contracts are a great way to get started and save money. You don't have to spend money working one-on-one with an attorney from the beginning if money is an issue. If money's not an issue, absolutely, make sure it's done the right way with an attorney. So when you're a podcaster, the contracts that you need, if you have a website, absolutely, for anything that you're doing, if you have a website, you always need terms and conditions and a privacy policy. The terms and conditions are the contract between you and the user of your website. The privacy policy covers how much personal information are you collecting from users, How are you using it? How are you storing it? How long are you storing it? What are you doing with it later on? All the private information, (laughs) that's in the privacy policy. Then as a podcaster, if you have a co-host, 100% you absolutely need a co-host agreement. Who owns the podcast? Is it did y'all create an entity? Does the entity own the podcast or does one creator own the podcast? Who's going to be doing this? Who's going to be doing social media? Who's going to be doing that? There's so many things that need to go in a co-host agreement, which also goes to say if you have a partner of any type in any business, always spend the money to have an attorney-drafted partnership agreement. When you file an LLC, typically, you want to have a single-member operating agreement if you're the sole owner. But if there's more than one owner to the entity, always, hands down, spend money on an attorney to draft the partnership agreement. Because at the beginning is when things are gravy, friendly, things are great, and that's when you want to have it drafted, because down the road, when things are not great, trust me, I've seen it all. Just go get it done. Co-host agreement, a guest consent, if you have guests. Now, this is a big one. I hear people all the time, oh, yeah, absolutely send a guest consent, or no way, I've never used one. I've had a podcast for 10 years. I... I've been on a lot of podcasts, I'm not going to sit there and read a guest consent agreement every single time I'm on a podcast, however, hopefully you have a booking software. In the booking software, there's a des- typically a description or something to put your own text. You want to have the essential terms in that description, because most likely your guests are not going to sit and read an agreement every single time they come on your podcast. If that's the case, no big deal. You just wanna make sure that the essential terms are there where the booking software is and you can just put, hey, by booking to a time to be on the podcast, you're agreeing to these terms of the podcast. That's all you need. Co-host agreement, guest consent. If you are working with a network, if you are negotiating anything with a network, Obviously, there is going to be a contract, and yes, this is something that can be done on your own. It can be DIY'd. However, I highly, highly suggest working with an attorney or somebody that can make sure that you're not losing the rights to your podcast. You're getting the best deal for yourself. When it comes to networks, it's just like record labels. They want to get everything they can from you, and when you're in the nicest way possible not a sophisticated business owner because you're brand new to this. You just blew up and you weren't expecting it. I get it. And you're so excited because these networks are coming to you because they're like, oh, we can promise you this, promise you that. The attorneys have seen it. We've seen it all. So I highly, highly suggest not signing any network agreement without first consulting with an attorney. And there's tons of other contracts in there, but Rule number one, just don't be afraid to use one. Contracts, intellectual property. This is everybody's favorite, especially when it comes to podcasting. So intellectual property is patents, trademarks, and copyrights. I'm not going to cover patents. Patents are a whole nother ball game. And you have to have, you have to take the patent bar. And just trust me, you don't want to ask me about patents. But I can cover cre- copyrights and trademarks. That's my jam. So. These are two of the most misused terms amongst entrepreneurs. And the easiest way, the easiest way to know the difference between the two. Trademarks equal branding, copyrights equal content. Trademarks are things that identify your brand. So your brand name, your logo, your slogan, your podcast name, a product name, a service name, Typically the unique names of things within your business, that's what can be protected with a trademark. Copyrights are your content, your creative work, the things you're consistently creating. So your blog posts, videos, photos, podcast episodes. The big example that we can use here, your podcast name should be protected with a trademark and each episode is protected with a copyright. With trademarks, you do not have trademark protection federally, so throughout the country, until you have a federal trademark registration. Before that, you may, you might have common law rights. They're, not, they're nothing to hang your hat on, but common law rights can give you priority, which, long story short, don't hang your hat on it, just file a federal trademark application. And Right now, the federal trademark application process is taking about 12 months. So not that you have to wait that long to use the name, but you want to get that process started as soon as possible because it's a shit show. Can I cuss? Am I allowed to? OK, great. It's a shit show with the trademark office. I can't believe i waited this. It's been this long that I haven't cussed. This is great. <laughs> Kayla is my operations manager. She's like, oh, thank you. You haven't cussed in so long. (laughs) So (laughs) the trademark office, they're way behind. Ever since COVID happened, and it's not the fact that the trademark office shut down. There's just been that many more trademark applications since COVID hit because everybody was laid off and they're like, oh, I'm finally going to go all in with that thing I've been wanting to go all in with. So they filed the trademark application. So get your applications in because it's going to take a year. But before you want to make sure you do a thorough trademark search. And this search is much more than just, oh, I did a quick Google search. Trademarks, it's not just the same exact name that can be trademark infringement. It's anything similar enough to where consumers are likely to be confused. So if there's a name that is similar and they're selling similar goods or services, that's probably trademark infringement. So my law firm used to be Andrea Sager Law. If there's an Andrea Sager Legal, trademark infringement. The Andrea Sager Law Firm, trademark infringement. Andrew Seeger Sager, any variation, all of that is trademark infringement as long as it's a law firm. Now if there's Andrea Sager, the handbag company, that's not trademark infringement because my clients are not used to They're not going to expect that I open a handbag company. Now, if there's a hat company, different story. (laughs) Jokes. That's a good idea, Kayla. We'll put that on our list. (laughs) So trademarks, this is your branding. Think what the public perceives of you. What does the public perceive of your brand that can most likely be protected with a trademark? And uh, I know somebody's gonna ask, what if somebody has the trademark registration, but somebody like I was in business first or they were in business first, but they haven't filed the trademark. So let's say you have a name picked out. Somebody else has the name, that name or a similar name, but they haven't filed a trademark application. Can Can you still use it? You can, but it's trademark infringement. So you can absolutely file and get the trademark registration. However, because they were in business first, they have priority to the name. And because they have priority to the name, they can file a cancellation proceeding against your trademark. I'm not saying like, hey, that's gonna happen, but that's the worst case scenario. And normally what will happen if you do and go and get the trademark and then they come after you both parties will most likely sign a consent agreement, like, hey, we agree to coexist and there's no infringement. That's most likely to happen. However, it is still trademark infringement. That's trademarks. Copyrights. The thing about copyrights is you automatically have federal protection the moment the work is published, the moment the work is created. However, You cannot sue somebody for copyright infringement unless you have the copyright registration. And if you have the copyright registration before somebody infringes, you're eligible for statutory damages. Long story short, it's an easier way to prove damages in a copyright lawsuit and they have to pay your attorney fees. Now with copyrights, I know somebody's gonna ask about fair use there are very, very, very limited instances where you can actually rely on fair use. I know somebody's going to ask about, oh, can I use five seconds of this video clip or this music clip? No, the, there's no like, oh, if you only change it up 30, if you change it up 30 percent, or if you only use five seconds, then it's not infringement. That does that that's not fair use. Fair use, there's very limited instances. The only time where it's easier to tell people, hey, this does qualify as fair use, is for reporting purposes. So if your outlet, your podcast is known as reporting on matters and you report on a matter and somebody wants to say it's infringement, you can most likely say, hey, this is fair use. However, if you do not normally have a podcast that's about reporting, news reporting, and you infringe on somebody, somebody's content and you wanna say, oh, I was just reporting on it. No, you can't just like have one episode about reporting and say your podcast is reporting. So fair use, that's one thing that I can't sit up here and say like, oh, this falls under fair use, that falls under fair use. That is something that's very, very subjective, but I will say, hey, this actually is very, very hard to qualify for fair use. Um, there's very, very limited instances where it actually qualifies. The application process is pretty straightforward. However, (laughs) it takes anywhere from two to seven months. No indication in between, like, why does it take longer or shorter? I don't know. Like Nobody knows. Um, For copyright infringement, it's a matter of, is it substantially similar? Great, we know exactly. Like, substantially similar. Cool. That's infringement. What does it mean to be substantially similar? I don't know. Nobody knows. Really, you have to sue in order to figure out if is it substantially similar. That's why copyright cases are actually pretty rare. I know there's plenty of them in the media. However, they're pretty rare. Uh, we work with a lot of t-shirt designers. And <laughs> trying to tell somebody like, hey, yes, this is substantially similar or not, it's, it, it's a field day. Um, yeah, that's pretty much trademarks, copyrights. Any questions? Don't be afraid, I'm here for y'all to just throw them at me. Plenty of hands, great, love it.
2: What about if, maybe in a book, when you quote somebody, like a a line from a movie or um, a a sentence from somebody else's book?
1: Yeah, so great question. The Copyright Office says short quotes cannot be protected by anything. If it is enough to where it doesn't qualify as a short quote, that can be copyright infringement. Normally, though, books, they are grateful to be quoted in there. So a lot of times, if you ask for permission, they will give you a license, which is just permission. You just need a license, so permission to publish it in the book. So if it's like just a short quote from the book, normally that's fine, and it's not copyright infringement. But if it's a lot longer, then that could be copyright infringement. But it's also a matter of how are you using it in the book. Are you comparing it to something else, or is it just a matter of, hey, I'm just putting this in there because I like how it sounds here in the book. So it it just depends on how you're using it in the book.
2: And what if uh, you're quoting something where someone's interviewed on TV, and they said something like one sentence, but they said something really stupid.
1: <laughs> it depends where you're using it, how you're using it. Yeah, I mean, it.
2: but you're trying to make fun of them,
1: right? So I mean, that that could fall under parody.
2: Yeah, well, you, yeah, I'm not. Par- it would not be. Par- I don't know if it'd be parody. They just said something that was ridiculous, and you're quoting them.
1: I mean, I don't. Is and it like, in the book? In
2: a, like if if someone said something absolutely absurd or like Captain Obvious quote quote. And then in your book, you just quoted that one sentence.
1: Yeah, if it's one sentence, then it's probably not okay. protected with the copyright anyway.
2: OK, thanks.
1: You're welcome.
3: For uh, registering the copyright, is that something you have to do for each episode?
1: So I it depends how it is published. If they're non-downloadable. Then you can publish them all. You can publish a group of them that are non-downloadable. If they're downloadable, then you probably do have to submit each one individually.
3: Hi, Andrea. Hi. I'm Nick. Um, How specific do you have to be when you're registering your copyright and trademark? I've always felt like I've hit a wall each time I've tried to trademark or you know register a trademark or a copyright. It just seems like it, you know, that becomes foreign. My own thing becomes foreign. What do you do?
1: So for copyrights, there's different applications for each different medium of the content. So you just want to make sure you submit the correct application. For trademarks, the description, that does get kind of tricky because the goal is to be as broad as possible. However sometimes you can't be as broad because maybe there's something like the copyright the trademark office might refuse your application and you would have to narrow it down anyway so it, it sometimes it's strategic to be narrow but the goal is to be as broad as possible that way you cover as much as possible so if you have a for example let's let's say we have a podcast called ABC we want to file for ABC edge. It'll be class 41 education educational material, namely podcasts. We would want to put, let's say, we want to put podcasts in the field of personal growth. The trademark office may say that's, or they may deny it because it's somebody that has a podcast for spirituality. So we may want to narrow that down to, educational material, namely podcasts, in the field of something like very specific within personal development. That way we avoid any confusion with spirituality.
3: Um, One more question, sorry, (laughs) sir. You're a great dancer, by the way. Uh, (laughs) um, I uh, also, uh, I guess as broad with that, um, I guess the umbrella of everything else uh, as in merchandising and everything like that, that would also cover that as well, as broad as you get, or would you have to register that as well in another way or another class?
1: Explain merchandise. Uh,
3: well, uh, in, in the case of uh, our our podcast, Tunes, it is a podcast, so we would register that, but like anything else that comes with it using uh, the trademark or mm-hmm. the copyright, would we have to register that as well?
1: You want to. I mean, if you're branding yourself as that, absolutely. So clothing, clothing is class 25. This is apparel. You want to try to be as broad as possible. However, this is one of our big classes that we filed, and ideally you would want to put clothing and apparel. However, if there's a similar mark that says shoes or hats for Hat, shoes pants for men and you're selling t-shirts for women then you want to say hey we are t-shirts for women because they're already similar and in that same class and so you don't want to be as broad and say clothing and apparel thank you andrea you're welcome hi thank you for sharing this is uh good stuff uh with regard to trademarks uh is there a uh, federal trademark website, or do you go to your state.gov to find to search for you know names that maybe um, we would may infringe on if we. Yeah, that. so you want to go to uspto.gov. That's where you can file on your own with the trademark office. You so I'm, I could sit here and tell you hey you need to hire an attorney for everything. Everything's figure outable. You can DIY everything. There are certain things where I really do think you need to hire an attorney. However, everything is figure outable and you can DIY pretty much everything. So if you want to file a trademark application on your own, USPTO.gov, do Don't and that, that is actually filing on your own. If you Google cheap trademark filing or DIY trademark filing, LegalZoom, Rocket Lawyer, Trademarkia, all those sites are going to come up, and that's not doing it on your own. And if you want to do that, I would just say go to the trademarkcourse.com, which is by The Legalpreneur, Um, but I'm not promoting us. I'm just telling you, just saying what's out there. Um, But the search, I actually didn't go into detail about the search. So the search, this is the most important part of the trademark process. Because you, like I said about the priority rights, you want to make sure you have the rights you think you have. And this is much more than just going to Google and typing in your business name you wanna first brainstorm any similar any similar names that you can think of. And this can be phonetic similarities, so different spellings, adding the, adding a word in the middle or the end or just, there's a ton of similarities that can happen, which is why if you want the best trademark search that is done with, with a trademark attorney, not just with any attorney, with a trademark attorney, but if you're going to do it on your own, just try to brainstorm first all those possible similarities and then search for all those similarities on Google, social media, domain names, trademark website, USPTO.gov. And that way you have a good idea knowing, hey, like I'm not infringing on anybody. I think I do have the priority I think I have. Because you don't, what you don't want to happen is you start branding yourself and you blow up and then you're like oh shit somebody has a very similar podcast and now I'm way bigger than they are but now I have to rebrand which I mean at that point if you are really that big and you're making that much money you could probably like pay them for a license or pay them to buy the trademark from them can't always be done but it's doable Like I, so about a month ago my client she basically just got a $25,000 check from another brand that was infringing on her trademark. And they asked, like, hey, can we just coexist? And I was like, I mean, how much are you going to pay? And they're like, oh, well, there's problems with the trademark application, and we can file a cancellation. I said, go ahead. Like, we know that we have a rock solid registration. So they came back and they were like, okay, we're, you know, we'll offer your client $25,000. And before that, my client said, I, you know, I don't want to offer them a consent agreement. Like, I did what I needed to do, and I said, "Girlfriend, that is your right. You don't have to offer them anything." And I said, "Hey, um, I know you didn't want to offer them a consent agreement, but they came back and offered twenty-five thousand dollars." And she said, "Where do I sign?" And <laughs> we got that one done. But I mean, that's the, and that's also the power of intellectual property. It's not just, "Hey, you're spending this money to kind of protect your name," or like this is when passive income can begin for your business. So with my law firm, we have a lot of clients that we monitor their trademarks. Or even when they come to us, they're like, hey, is this trademark infringement? And we approach an infringer, many times we turn them into licensees, wholesale customers. There's a lot of revenue to come from your infringers. So once you have the trademark registration, that's when it begins creating that passive income or just additional revenue streams.
4: Hi Andrea, thanks again for your information. Um, I have one and a half questions. Um, So I'm representing a few podcasts as a producer Mm -hmm. and I don't necessarily own their content. These are other creators and I'm helping them produce them and and finding distributors. My question is, so I would protect the intellectual property of, of my business But then each individual podcast can be viewed as its own business, so to speak, with its own IP. Mm -hmm. Um, But they should be the owners. Is that right? Like, they they would be the ones applying for that intellectual property, whether it's trademark or copyright? Correct. Okay. Yeah. Um, And that
1: should be in the agreements with you and the podcasters. And that comes up a lot with any intellectual property. So a lot of times, like, social media managers, they don't realize what they're creating is – owned by them, the one who created it, but it's what's in the contract is really what's bound by who owns it. So are they assigning the rights? Is it work for hire? Or are they just providing a license? So a lot of times if you ever have hired a photographer for brand photos, you don't own those photos. The photographer owns those photos. So even if you find an infringer using your photos, you don't have the right to go after them. Only the photographer does.
4: Got it. And then the half question is, um, let's say for those podcasts, um, I th- maybe you covered this already, but you know s- some podcast names are s- uh, very general, so to speak, or you see in other kinds of spaces. I'll just mm-hmm. give an example. You know, there's a podcast called "How I Built This." You know, what if you launch a podcast called "How to Build Things"? I don't know. I'm just making something up, but um, would that be something then that cannot be? Uh, protected because there's already a podcast with a maybe too similar of a name?
1: Yeah, exactly. Got and, it. It, and it'll depend on how um, how aggressive they are defending mm-hmm. their trademark rights. Okay. Because some, some brands just don't care. Some brands are just like, eh, whatever. And then some brands, so <laughs> we work with a lot of people in the fashion industry and they like to think they can use a Louis Vuitton bag and Cut it up and create a new product, and I'm like, that's trademark infringement. But it's okay. You can pay me when you get the cease and desist letter.
4: And if the and if it's something that is similar but not a podcast, for example, but a, a TV show or a book, let's say in the media world but not podcast, even then it's a little borderline.
1: Yeah, it you know. just it, it depends. Like they could yeah. make the argument. You could also make the argument, like, hey, that's not reasonable. That consumers are going to get this confused.
4: Mm-hmm. Got it. All right. Thanks.
1: I really hope y'all can not see like, boogers coming down my nose, because it is so cold
2: in here. Hi, Ms. Liger. Um I have a question about uh, fair use. So um, how often does paraphrasing other people's content into your podcast uh, become a liability?
1: It's a case-by-case basis. Okay. It's literally like I, when people come to me and ask me, I'm like, I have literally have to see every instance. I literally have to see how much you're using, see the original work. like. Yeah.
2: Okay, thank you.
1: You're welcome.
0: Hi, I also have a fair use question and this is just sort of a best guess, I think, is what I'm looking for. Um, I have a couple of podcasts that are music based and one of them is a narrative storytelling one, the other one is interview based. And we're debating right now whether to license everything or use some
1: things under fair use when we're talking about a specific song and someone's talking at length about it. Um, And with the interview in, it's going to be that the whole podcast is based around talking about one song. So we're talking about how to incorporate just a snippet of the song in a way that we feel safe doing.
0: How much liability would you say we're taking on by not licensing?
1: Yeah, you absolutely need to license the song to play even any kind of snippet. I mean, you can dissect you know, the origin and talk about the song as much as you want, but if you play that song, any amount of it, it's copyright infringement.
0: Hi, thank you. Um, I help people launch their podcasts, and a common question that arises, for which I don't believe there's a solution, but just in case, is how can I hold the name that I want since the trademark process takes a long time and I can't uh, get my podcast name like into Apple or wherever so that it's public before I'm ready with the trailer, which can take three to 12 months. See what I'm saying? Yeah, so
1: you can always file an intent to use trademark application. Oh. And so that's where you intend to use it. And you basically, once you're at the end of the process, you get what's called a notice of allowance where the trademark office says, hey, up until now you're approved, we just need to see how you're using it. So you need to submit your statement of use. And once that's submitted, then you're officially approved. Once you get that notice of allowance, you have six months to submit it. You can extend that for another six months for up to three years.
0: And how long does it take to get that initial allowance approval?
1: Probably like 10, 11 months. Okay. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Okay, yeah. But
1: if you you file the application, you're on record. So that's public record.
0: Okay, so it's kind of in a way retroactive. Mm -hmm.
1: And then you can still start, I mean, so you can still use the podcast name. That's why I suggest the search. Yeah. A very thorough trademark search to ensure that you're not infringing on anybody else.
0: Of course, yeah. Okay, thank you so much. You're welcome. Hello, thank you for all of this awesome information. Um, I I currently have a podcast that has one name and a book that has another name. And I am rebranding my podcast to have the same name as my book and want to go and get the trademark for this new title, Growing Joy. Um, is it two separate trademark applications? Is it one trademark application and then the use is going to be book, podcast, all things? Or is it more the intent of what the title means does that make sense yes so books cannot be protected with a trademark
1: and I already have the copyright for that so the title of one book cannot be protected if it's a series or more than one book that can be protected with a trademark the podcast so that's you're just going to submit the use you can file for the podcast and then you can submit the use for the the name or once you start using the podcast with that name then you can submit the use. However, if you're already using it, then you can just submit an in-use application. Got it, okay, And okay. cool, thank you. You're welcome. And the other thing that I wanted to mention about fair use, fair use is only a defense to copyright infringement. No matter what, it's still copyright infringement. You're just saying, hey, like, I shouldn't have to pay damages because this is fair use. So you're still going to be fighting a lawsuit. You're still going to be having to pay attorneys if you're facing this. So make sure, like, even if you want to rely on fair use, you realize, hey, it's still copyright infringement. And absolutely, you can still be sued. You'll most likely still get a cease and desist letter. And so you just need to figure out, like, how am I going to handle this when it happens? Any other questions? Go ahead.
0: Can I ask a non-trademark copyright question? Absolutely. Okay. This podcast that I always listen to talks about umbrella insurance Mm -hmm. with their guests. What does that mean? And do we need it?
1: Absolutely. So not necessarily legal protection, but insurance is absolutely a necessity for any business, any podcast. And especially if you're a podcaster, insurance can cover you for intellectual property infringement. So if you accidentally do something and they want to sue you for it the insurance is going to pay for your defense and they'll pay any da- i mean I'm not going to say any damages but basically you want to have insurance to make sure that if anything happens not even if it's intellectual property infringement so a lot of online businesses they're like oh I don't need insurance I'm not like nobody's going to trip and fall in my store but what about if you post a photo that doesn't belong to you what if you accidentally infringe on somebody else's copyright and you didn't even know what if you are infringing on somebody's trademark that you thought you had the rights to? All these things can happen. We're human; we're not perfect. But I mean, you can still face a lawsuit for it. So the insurance—that's what—that's what that's will cover you. So CGL, commercial general liability insurance. There's a, a number of different policies that you may need. Um, I work really closely with Nationwide Insurance. They are amazing with small business owners. There is a, um, a coverage tool. So basically, I. I didn't, I did not put my Instagram up here, but Andrea Sager Law, there's a, or at the Legalpreneur, go to the link in my bio, and there's the nationwide tool, and they tell, like you tell them about their busi- your business, and they'll basically tell you like, hey, we suggest this type of insurance. So I have a podcast where weekly... We hang out online, we put on makeup,
0: and (laughs) all the time, I am holding up and showing the products that I am using, which have logos and business names and things like that. Never considered, is that any kind of infringement? No, that's fine, because you're not holding
1: yourself out as being that brand or representing that brand. Yeah, no, 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 you're, (laughs) no, that is fine. Um, I don't think I see any other questions. Thank you all so much for sitting in this icy tundra with me for the past 45 minutes. And if you love conferences, we do have our event, Dream Bigger, which is October 5th through the 7th in Phoenix, Arizona. We have some amazing speakers. This is all things business and personal growth. Because I know in order to be at your highest level in business, you also have to be at your highest level personally. So we have amazing speakers. Ali Webb from Drybar. We have Danielle Canty from Boss Babe. Chris Harder, he's an entrepreneur, an investor, philanthropist. Uh, Wayne Purnell, Pollyanna Reed. I, so many amazing speakers. So if y'all are interested, we have a giveaway, and you can also buy a ticket. So thank you guys so much.